Welcome to Bolton School Extra, the podcast brought to you by Bolton School. In this series, we'll be exploring school life, allowing you, the listener, to connect with staff, pupils and parents at a deeper level. Each episode, we'll be interviewing people within the community, asking them questions and spending time understanding more about them and more about the school. So let's get into this episode right now of Bolton School Extra. In the first of the Bolton School podcasts, we talk to Philip Britton, Head of Foundation. We find out about his role in the school and about the new structure. We talk more about the benefits of attending Bolton School and the importance of bursaries for potential pupils. We'll also delve a little into the fascinating history of the school. So let's welcome Philip Britton. Hello. Hello. So tell me, you're Head of Foundation. What does that mean and what does your role entail? The Bolton School Foundation, in fact, is historical in the sense that it's a name given to when uh, a Victorian girls' school and a much more ancient boys' schools were brought together just, just before the First World War. And so that label is important locally to, to show uh, what those schools were. Uh, until recently, they, they were run as a boys' school and a girls' school quite separately. Uh, and the governors have just decided to have uh, one overall head of foundation, uh, which we think will allow us to be uh, flexible and uh, proactive enough to take the school forward to its next stages, uh, celebrating the advantages of being uh, single-sex schools, uh, but yet yet gathering all of the advantages of being able to work very, very closely together. So I'm very excited about the uh, new role. We, we've been in, in post for uh, some five months now, putting together a lot of the structures that go with that. Uh, and these are exciting times and, and next steps for a school that has been around for a long time, uh, where, where the mission is to keep as much as possible of what uh, we, we celebrate and have enjoyed for many years, whilst adding to that and, and seeking many more benefits. So what will parents and indeed pupils notice about the new structure? What will actually, what will they see from their point of view? I think what's been very important to us in these first few months is that a pupil and, and indeed a parent should see at first glance very little. And that may seem disappointing, but I think it's a really important point. Uh, young people only get one time to, to run through a school and have their school life. And it's important that structural and leadership changes don't alter that for anything other than the, the good. So that the first port of call, the first mission for us is that uh, daily life should should have changed very little indeed. But having said that, of course, there is a point. Uh, and what pupils and parents should begin to notice is where uh, a senior boys' school and a senior girls' school have been uh, occasionally different uh, for uh, unnecessary reasons. Uh, then those differences are, are gently removed. Uh, and where they have been different for very proper and well-founded reasons, because clearly the education of young people uh, it may, may be different for very precise reasons, then, then we continue to celebrate and put that uh, in hand. The, the other thing that parents will notice is our new primary division. One of the opportunities we took was to gather together the younger parts of the school, the junior schools, infant school and nursery, into a unit of their own and to give that leadership with a head of primary division. Uh, and th there, parents uh, and pupils will over time begin to notice 
much better, best of both worlds, joint working between the two junior schools, better feeding between the infant school, we call it Beach House, and the, and the junior schools, and indeed the nursery being more part of, of that team. So uh, what, what is really important to us in, in answer to your question is that, first of all, a pupil should notice nothing at all that disrupts their daily life, uh, but then secondly, they see lots and lots of small and incremental changes uh, that will add to uh, and really allow us to harness the talent across the foundation uh, for the good of all. Now, forgive me if this is a terribly obvious question, but am I presuming that the sexes will still continue to be educated separately or will there be times where they are going to come together? Those arrangements will be exactly as they they have been for us. So the the history is that the boys' division has been a a junior school from seven years upwards through to 18, of course. The the girls' division, likewise. The Beach House, the infant school, has always been co-ed. And I mean always, as in since 1877, in that that's how the younger parts of schools were back then. The boys attended girls' schools very often. Uh, so that, that, that those structures remain as they have been. We, we have, for many years, had some joint teaching in the sixth form, uh, where the purpose of that is to improve the curriculum offer for both boys and girls. It allows us to offer a, a wider range of subjects, and it allows us to offer class sizes where there are enough people to get that important interaction that there is within a class so where where there might just be one or two boys or one or two girls you can create a class uh, of four or five which clearly has a much better dynamic and much better potential for learning but but overall uh, it it will be business as usual because we really do believe that the unique selling point is is our best of both worlds uh, with the advantage of single-sex education and all of the advantages of being mixed when we wish to be mixed for some subjects, for some sport and, and for music and drama and many things besides. I still remember the shock of doing politics with boys in the sixth form. (laughs) (laughs) Huge shock, but very enjoyable. (laughs) So when I do a a podcast, I like to get to know the school. So can you describe your school to me? Does it have some lovely old bits? Is it fairly new? Tell me more about it. We have the advantage of being a bit of both. Uh, if, If you arrived at Bolton School, first of all, most people are enormously surprised that a a building of this sort and this grandeur exists uh, I would say up north never mind in Bolton people can have all all manner of impressions about how things might be and what they are faced with is a a magnificent red sandstone building that the frontage of the school is is getting on for being a mile long they will enter through an archway which uh, looks the part and they'd arrive in a quad and having arrived at that quad they'd be confronted by our most modern building we call it the Riley Centre which is a six form centre and and reception to the school it really brought the divisions uh, together uh, and and so the uh, the ancient and the modern confront one straight away and that you will uh, arrive at a building that looks uh, very much like a stately home people visiting here for the first time reference hogwarts continuously <laughs> So, so some some audiences, of course, will have seen our school on a on a CBBC program where uh, we are we are with a film set for for many many uh, d- different things. So so you would be confronted by uh, buildings that are, are stately and and. When they were built in the in the nineteen twenties, following the, the the formation of the foundation. 
Lord Leverhulme had a very strong idea that people uh, rose to the aspirations of the environment they found themselves in. So the boys and the girls division each have a great hall which seats 900 people, a hammer beam roof, the sort of thing that one would find in an Oxford or Cambridge college. Uh, so, So the Those buildings are there, but also, as I say, our new Riley Centre for the Sixth Form, the Beach House Infant School, is is a decade old, a modern purpose-built building, as is the nursery and the girls' junior school, Hesketh House, is a very new build. You would find yourself in 30 or so acres of playing fields in the middle of an urban area, and that feels very green, very open and very much part of a community. I really wish I could be there. (laughs) So tell me a little bit more about the academic side of things. What are the the benefits of attending Bolton School? I I think what we are very clear about is that that Bolton School is a selective, independent day school with all all that goes uh, with with that. So academic uh, achievement, making sure that pupils are the very best that they can be uh, is central to our mission. So obviously we perform well with uh, exam results and we perform well in our academic studies. But that is not actually at all what the school is about. We actually assume that parents imagine that's a given. Of course, people here would get good exam results. What we want them to leave with is a sense of intellectual curiosity, a sense of really wondering why and being able to have those learning skills that they will take forward into their future lives. So if there is a mission in our classrooms, it's to create... Uh, that sense of passion to allow people the opportunities to learn from those who themselves are passionate about their own subjects uh, and to really have that curiosity which will stand them in good stead, not only in their working lives, but also to be a, a, an informed, active, interesting citizen and person that people uh, wish to be with. So in our academic focus, we we would have a wide range of subjects. We'd look at the early curriculum, even in the uh, primary division, being supporting those learning skills, learning how to learn to really achieve later on. You talked about your your beautiful hall and and the extent of the school. I imagine it might be a little bit intimidating when pupils first come to you. How do you build in confidence to young people? How do you make them feel at home there? I think absolutely. Confidence and and character is is central to to the school's purpose. And it's certainly what what, uh, parents and old boys and girls after they have left value about their education here. In referencing back to that academic uh, work, of course, the grades that they would get allow them, they're, they're the passport to the next step, to a good university, to a good career. But when people reflect on their school life afterwards, it is the Uh, the the soft skills that have built their character and who they are, the sense of moral purpose, a sense of giving back and community and a sense of being part of something which actually uh, they've taken from the school into their future lives. And uh, parents very often reflect on that and that is an active part of their choice uh, in selecting Bolton School where their young girl or boy is going to become a a young woman or man. Uh, And that is a really big decision. So, so that, that character and confidence is something that not only happens by accident, but is built into our pastoral curriculum here and our pastoral care. 
And in a big school, uh, that, that is all about people working in units that are of manageable size, where they are known, uh, and they can know people. And I think both are important. So we have uh, our form classes, which are, are, are just, just uh, at the most 25 in, in size, where, where the form tutor really gets to know the person that they are I- in charge of. And of course, I think another way that if you just roll that back to the first time you arrive how does that first day in year seven feel and f- first of all of course it isn't the first uh, day in, in year seven because uh, you would have been to a taste a day and a and a settling in day you'll have met friends we'll have had activities that allow you to have a conversation with someone but there, there will be an active means and lots of activities to encourage friendship making, as well as pragmatic advice and discussion. The friends you make on the first day may not be the ones you have on the second day and may not be the ones you have in the second week, but it's about getting to know people and getting to know who you're comfortable with. And in that, without doubt, uh, central to how that happens is our enormous uh, activity programme where there are many, many things to do every lunchtime uh, and it's engaging with that informal activity that people make uh, those lifelong friends and indeed take up those lifelong hobbies and interests. You talked about your beautiful grounds. Uh, Sport, do you do other activities in those grounds? Tell me more about that. Of course, the sport is is a major part of school life. I think what makes the school distinctive, uh, because many schools have a particular emphasis on uh, being really strong academically or, or developing character or being a sporting school or being a music school or being good at drama. Uh, one of the advantages of a school the size of Bolton School mindful that we can break that down into those units that feel comfortable is that we can be good at uh, and engage people in whatever is their interest. Uh, so, of course, sport is an important part of the school. It's not all that we do, but for those for whom that, that is their area of expertise or what they want to participate in, uh, that, that is uh, v- very much part of our life here. Uh, we are re- renowned uh, for our lacrosse playing in the girls' oh. division where we would be uh, re- regionally uh, co- competitive all of the time and in national competitions, but, but netball and hockey, girls' football, and particularly water polo. Water polo is is perhaps a niche sport, but it is one at which Bolton School is nationally predominant. The boys' teams often win all three age group trophies. Alumni go on to represent their nation in that sport. And a lot more recently introduced in girls' division, they are also beginning to excel. Across in the boys' division, the cricket team would often be in national competition and successful. In football, likewise. Rugby, more regional as a sporting competition. And lots more besides. We are, we are a, a, an active and busy school in, in the sporting life. But you spoke of the grounds, and one of the other key features of the school is our absolute commitment to outdoor learning. Seeing being outdoors and engaging in uh, those outdoor pursuits as being central to the development of character, uh, both finding out who you are as a person, but also finding your place in a team, 
and getting along with, with other people. So the outdoor learning is really important to us, but both here in the school, but also at our own outdoor centre, which is in Patterdale in the in the Lake District, just at the end of Ullswater, where, where we have our own 60-bed centre, which pupils attend every year and engage in a curriculum based in, in, in the outdoors, where that develops year on year as they attend. And the, the youngest pupils go there in year three at the right very beginning of junior school uh, and the last trips in, in year 12 in, at the beginning of sixth form so uh, that that is important to us as well gosh water polo lacrosse patterdale i want to be there it sounds absolutely <laughs> blissful that is one thing i was going to come to it it obviously schools such as yours perhaps are not so attainable for everybody i know that you have some bursaries don't you for senior school pupils and that must be very important to you to allow people to actually experience such an amazing school it is absolutely central to the governor's and my vision of what the school is 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 about i think in the national debate about the purpose of independent schools, their place, how they can be part of, of modern society, uh, that, that is often framed in terms of, of privilege and in terms of exclusivity. Uh, and that has never uh, been part of, of Bolton school life. The foundation, uh, which is, uh, as I mentioned earlier, o- over 100 years old, was premised on making this uh, aspirational education as available as possible to as many many people as possible. Clearly, through that century, that, that's taken many forms. We were a direct grant school with many pupils here, supported by the state. We were an assisted places school. The governors were completely determined when both of those schemes came to an end that we would continue to be accessible, to continue to be trying to ensure that, that finances were not the gatekeeper, the exclusive gatekeeper to the education we offer here. And our bursary campaigns have been tremendously successful, hugely generous alumni wanting to pay back. Uh, the, the, the standard giver's story is that they reflect on their school days, providing with a platform for a happy and successful life. Uh, and they want that to be available to, to other people. So, so yes, our, our mission to be accessible has two strands. One is that we are very focused on making the fee increases that, that we uh, clearly a school will always have uh, as small as possible whilst being able to deliver the education that people want. So we are not a gold tap school. Our facilities are magnificent, but there are no projects here that are not necessary. Uh, and we have never indulged in that, that sort of uh, facilities arms race. We've been very focused on making things affordable uh, to decent working parents who wish to make a choice uh, to educate their child in this sort of setting. Because these are not schools, schools like ours are not, not full of the, the privileged rich. They are actually full of people who have chosen not to have a bigger car, not to have a bigger house and not to have a better holiday, but to prioritise uh, with their own money their daughter or son's education. So that, that, that is very clear and a central part of our strategy and something often missing from the debate on accessibility. It is part of the moral duty of our schools to keep fees as accessible as possible. We are not competing with one another, we are competing with making ourselves a justified part of modern society. 
But putting that aside and actually answering the question that you asked, because that is a thing that is really important to us at school as well, even making those choices, very, very many families, of course, can't afford independent school fees. And so we have a very active bursary program where in the senior schools, one in five pupils are here with some funding support from the school. We believe that that figure of 20% puts us comfortably in the vanguard of schools seriously attacking the issue of bursary provision. And of those one in five, because sometimes the national pushback is, well, that's fine, but it's just a a small amount of money for the distressed middle classes. Of those one in five, some 10% of pupils here at Bolton School are here entirely on free places because their family income is such that that fits our bursary profiles. And, you know, that that figure is comfortably more than the percentage of free school meals candidates in grammar schools. So I would be absolutely robust in those national arguments in arguing that this school is more inclusive than many, many grammar schools. And for that matter, you know, probably more inclusive than many comprehensive schools that are either set in a catchment area in a leafy suburb and therefore have a skewed intake take one way, or likewise their catchment areas in perhaps in an underprivileged area uh, and have a catchment area skewed the other way. There there really is the whole range of society here if I walk the corridors uh, at Bolton School, and I don't think many uh, schools can say that. Uh, And next steps, because one must always have next steps at a school, you can't ever stand still. The governors and I have a strong ambition to make that uh, 20% figure one in three. We believe that is entirely achievable by the time we get to 2030. Uh, And we believe strongly that that will be a a really important part of our school life. Uh, And just to finish that, because I think this is a point that would be really important for for parents and members of our community and and the wider uh, national narrative to understand. Uh, The focus there, that that two-pronged approach of making it uh, accessible to fee-paying parents uh, and having the bursary campaign go hand in hand. We care about all of those different people having access uh, to our school. And we understand that that means that uh, equality does not mean treating people equally. There are many programmes around school uh, that make sure that the the, the support at home, which may be present in what large measure for some pupils, will not be as present for others, uh, and that we as a school must level that playing field in our life here uh, so that everyone, as I mentioned earlier, uh, leaves here being the best person they could possibly be uh, as they enter adult life. I can sense the passion in your voice. It's wonderful to hear that. Mr Britton, is there somewhere that you love in the school? Is there somewhere where you feel this this is my place, I like to go to it, either a historical bit or perhaps some of the newer bits? I, I think uh, w- w- walking around school is a, is a tremendous experience, not not least because as you would move through from the, the nursery school through to where the older pupils are, are, are being taught, there is such a, a variety of age and space and experience going on in school. The, the, the after-school club where, where people are engaged in their craft through to, to people who are re- ready to be independent young adults and, and they're in the Riley Centre having conversations they will have in a student conference 
common room in a few months' time. And so I, I do enjoy the variety of school life. But if, if I have places where I, I feel it's especially part of school life, it is in those great halls I mentioned earlier because that is where we gather as a school, either the girls' division or the boys' division, where 850, 900 boys or girls are gathered together. And that's where you sense that common purpose, that sense of being something and being part of a community. And I think it's also a special place because it's uh, almost the, the, the setting for so many of those key moments in a in a person's life it will be in the great hall where perhaps a parent and their young 10 year old will first attend an open morning talk and just begin to think about could this be me and it will be there where parents attend their first information evening and embark on their journey through Bolton School and where they'll hear about GCSE choices and A-level choices and how to enter higher education. And it's where they will come to collect their exam results. So, so I think in those magnificent settings, both for boys and girls, that's where I feel most you have that rhythm and sense of community around Bolton School life. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing so much about Bolton School with us today. I've thoroughly enjoyed hearing about it and indeed about all of the new structures as well. It was lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much. That's it for this episode and thank you for listening. To find out more, check out the school website, boltonschool.org. Now, our next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to connecting with you next time. Bye for now.